0: E aqui
1: Users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This
2: week on the Tech Night Live, we'll be featuring Jeff Carlson of Tidbits and Take Control Books. You'll also hear once again from our friend, the iTunes guy, Kirk McElhern, who will talk about the new changes in Apple's Music app for iOS and iTunes. Will they fix problems with Apple Music? All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Jeff Carlson from Tidbits and Take Control Books is with us on this portion of the Tech Night Owl Live as we explore a variety of subjects. Of course, he's written about photos, the new photo app for iOS and Mac that's basically on the Mac replaced iPhoto, and also about Apple Watch. Now, before we do that, though, Jeff, and welcome back to the show, I want to ask you Briefly about the news that came out this week, that Google would be forming a holding company called Alphabet. Yes. Now, does that mean anything or is it just some corporate shenanigans that have something to do with their financial reporting or something?
3: I think it's the most exciting news to come out. If you happen to be someone who really follows corporate shenanigans, <laughs> yeah, it, it seems to me that it's it's really one of those restructuring type of things that that is by far from my area of uh, of expertise or even really interest. It's it's one of those things where I think that. It will make a difference to investors and I think that the control of the various companies having their own CEOs under a larger umbrella, that probably makes sense in terms of how Google pushes ahead and, and gives them a little more freedom to, to pursue separate things without it being Google is doing this. Google is investing in some you know super crazy thing. It can be, oh, well... One of the alphabet companies is taking a slice of money and exploring these new options, you know, which, which sounds more palatable and doesn't have to answer as much to your, your big investors who really want every single action devoted to, you know, returning their investment. So doing it this way satisfies investor concerns or what? I guess so. I mean, it it, it sounds more like the founders, Sergey and Larry Page. They want to have some more freedom and they want to be able to pursue things without it reflecting back on this. This is Google doing something where in reality, you know, it, it, it might just be, you know, some side idea that may never even pan out, but it doesn't have to be Completely tied to Google as this profit-generating enterprise, but I think a lot of it too is, is is probably you know structural. There's probably tax reasons that that I have you know no insight into, just that sort of odd stratosphere of where giant companies exist. Well, in a case like here,
2: Google's largest source of income is from click ads. Mm-hmm. So if there are no click ads. There is no money. They're not really making money from
3: Android. They're right. making money from the click ads or from the Google Play Store. Right. Although what's interesting about that is that um, you know they're not making uh money from android but i think android still stays with the the google entity rather than like a separate uh android entity so that tells me it's not entirely about where the money is going i think it's also where the where the power is going um because even if they're not making any money on android it's still hugely influential branch it's
2: because you're going to be using google products and services. Yeah. For the most part, if you want to buy software, you go to Google Play and Google gets its commission, just like Apple gets a commission when you go to the App Store, or the Mac App Store. Mm-hmm. So they are sources of income. If you're doing searches and you click on an ad, one of those targeted ads directed to you, well, Google gets paid. The cash register rings. Yeah. And it's almost yeah. like you click an ad, you can hear the sound of the cash register. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know what will come of this, but it was a story for about an hour.
3: Yeah. Well and, you know, I, I think people who are, you know, very much into uh, you know, the investment community, like it's probably a really huge deal for them. I think for most, you know, regular customers, um, they probably won't won't show or, you know, won't 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 see any material difference other than the fact that, you know, oh, this thing is called Alphabet now instead of Google. Um, but, you know, we, we'll see. It's a, I think a, a lot of it too was just that it was, it was such a surprise uh, from, you know, one of the giant, giant tech companies to sort of say, yeah, you know, we're going to completely restructure ourselves in a way that no one, I mean, as far as I know, I don't think anyone saw it coming or You know, even saw a reason for it. So, you know, for that reason, it was news because it was like it was something different, something completely unexpected, which, you know, in our our environment where you you, you see lots of leaks and hardware, uh, early hardware releases and things like that. It's like, oh, something completely new. Well, that's different. Well, there you go. Google is now Alphabet. Not Alphabet soup, but Alphabet yeah. Although it, it, it was sort of funny. Uh, I saw somebody tweet from the next day in the Google um, uh, cafeteria. Um, they actually had a soup that was ABC XYZ. So that's the new al- alphabet URL, ABC dot XYZ. Um, that was alphabet soup that they had as a, you know, a, a joke. So, you know, hey, they've got their sense of humor. Well, it's good to
2: have a sense of humor, and certainly it's a clever name yes. for a company. And I guess they were thinking also of alphabet soup, lots of different varieties yeah, and things going on. Of course, those of us who grew up in New York, we think of mishmash soup. Ah. Oh, Do you know what that is? I don't. Okay. It is matzo ball soup with chicken noodle soup with krepla. I mean, it's... A bunch of things, therefore, it mishmash mish-mosh <laughs> soup. And there's no way to explain it except to go to a deli and give it a try. What this has to do with Google, I have no idea. Before we get into photos for iOS and, of course, for OS X, I'm going to
3: ask you very briefly, have you had a chance to
2: play with Apple Music?
3: Uh, I have, yes. Um, I, I, I've not, you know, really tried to dig deep into it, but uh, I certainly signed up for the for the, um, you know, the, the the three month and um, you know trial period, and definitely looking to see what what it can do so obviously, like the other eleven million people out there, <laughs> you have the free
2: ninety day trial after those ninety days, does it make sense for you to
3: buy it um, right now, I think I will stick with it because the the one thing that I like is um, basically the, the the same service that you would get with with Spotify or or some of those which I actually never bothered to to subscribe to because it, it it was never a real high priority but I have found myself being able to go and find an album whether it's a new album or you know an old album that I don't own and being able to add that to my library and just listen to it um you know you do that you know say three or four times a month. And that's definitely worth the, the $10 a month fee uh, for, you know, doing that, supposing that you would, you know, buy an album every month or so. So, you know, for, for for right now it's, it's um, I would say it's a, you know, kind of a a net positive. I like being able to, you know, listen to new stuff. I, I, I didn't mind Spotify too much, but I, I will admit, like, the, the commercials would grate on you, especially, you know, like, let's say if I was listening to a movie soundtrack and, and, and you know, trying to get some writing done, getting some work done, and then, you know, you've got the big booming orchestral, then, hey, someone pops up and wants to sell you a lawnmower or whatever, you know, it's just... It just you know breaks breaks the whole breaks the whole chain. So it's the lawnmower man. We got more to come with (laughs) Jeff (laughs) Carlson. Tech night out live.
2: (laughs) Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
6: Now a twice as nice twin kit special offer from Complete H2O Minerals for all GCN listeners. Get a Complete H2O Minerals twin kit with 33 different minerals, vitamins, and amino acids all in a liquid form. Enough for two people for one month. Regular price $89.95. But now Complete H2O Minerals is offering the twin kit for $69.95. And all GCN listeners receive a bonus 16-ounce bottle of ionic silver absolutely free with free shipping. A $120 total value. Hurry, limited time offer. Call 803-794-4767 or click CompleteH2O Minerals.com.
8: Hey, Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without Berkey System. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, The Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653.
2: It's not The Lawnmower Man. That was a movie, by the way. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan and uh, Jeff Fahey, I think. Now, Pierce Brosnan's still around, though he appears in B Pictures.
3: Jeff Fahey occasionally gets a TV gig. Yeah, he was on uh, Justified this last season and, and was actually almost unrecognizable and did a really good job. He was also killed off, I believe. Oh, well, yeah, I think almost everybody
2: gets killed off. <laughs> it's kind of like this other tv series that was very controversial true detective season two all right here's a spoiler folks and i'll just give it to you so basically turn down the volume control for the next 30 seconds (laughs) okay so all but two of the lead players were killed off vince vaughn because he should be (laughs) colin farrell and two of the female leads were still alive at the end of the show
3: Ah. And it got record ratings. I have no idea what's going on there. I haven't watched any of the, of the True Detectives, although I'm not bothered at all by, by knowing the spoilers, because everybody that I've talked to or seen online has said uh, that the first season was really good, and the second season was the complete inverse being really bad. So I'm not going to rush out and watch season two. Right. I guess
2: it'll be on Netflix or something one of these yeah. days. You don't yeah, even exactly. need to subscribe. Two was HBO had it on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Supergirl.
3: Oh, that's right. I, I forgot that that was even coming out. I, I saw one one trailer for it a while ago, but. The pilot was leaked to the torrent
2: oh, sites. Oh, I didn't know that. So you can actually search for it and see it. And the girl who plays Supergirl, Melissa Benoist, a young singer actress who used to be in Glee. And she's from Colorado. She oh. is just so great at this. You know, she plays kind of the goofy alter ego Supergirl, kind of in the spirit of Christopher Reeves' Clark Kent. Oh, nice. In those Supermans. Very goofy, and she's so perfect at it. So then when she puts on the costume and she's Supergirl, well, I don't want to get into that because there's a big thing in there, a debate over <laughs> why isn't it Superwoman and not Supergirl? Hmm. Mm. All right. It's going to be crazy things in TV, but this is not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk <laughs> about TV or Apple TV will talk to Josh Centers. Okay. Yeah, there you go. All right. So all these years we had iPhoto. Yes. And then one day Apple says, there shall be no more iPhoto. It is now Photos. Because they had to make the name simpler. iPhoto was three syllables. Photo is two. Yeah. So now we have Photos, plural. And you've been studying this because you did a book on it.
3: Yes. Well, it's what's interesting. I think about um, the the transition. I mean, you know, it, I actually I still hear from people who are like, you know, wait, no, iPhoto's works great. You know, I why am I having this new thing foisted upon me? My first reaction, uh, usually internal, was, um, you know, D- is iPhoto's as slow and kludgy on your machine as it is on mine? Because it's it 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 really started to bog down. Um, you know, in, in my experience, I would say I, I hated launching iPhoto because it would start its kick on scanning all my photos for faces. And that was something you couldn't turn off and it would max out my, my, uh, processor. It just, you know, it was just stupid, but for people who are not yet ready to move up to photos for OS 10, iPhoto still works. Aperture still works in a sense. It is Apple saying, look, you're going to move, um, because we're no longer gonna gonna support this outdated uh, uh, couple pairs of software, but it's not like they've just you know gotten rid of it and you have to make your change right now. Especially because you know we're we're talking about photos, we're not talking about you know your word documents or something like that. And so I think I think a lot of people who are who are upset by the change are upset because it's 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 affecting something that's very personal to them you know, all of their their photos and their memories and what's gonna happen and all of that. Um in fact there's there's a, a, a chapter in, in my book that you know it, it's all about you know migrating from from the old to to the new and you know what you can expect and what features are there and which features are, are not and you know so I think it's something that uh that a lot of people have anxiety about and I think that eventually Well, (laughs) eventually they won't have a choice because (laughs) iPhoto will just stop working. But in the meantime, you know, iPhoto, it it still works. Even if you've um, opened your iPhoto library in Photos for OS X, you can still open it in iPhoto and just ignore the new photos for a while too. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely dramatic, I'll say that that's kind of Apple's, Apple's thing is to be dramatic. Okay. What's the reason for having this change? Couldn't they
2: just change the interface or update the features in iPhoto?
3: Well, um, I think so. Um, they, you know, they, they could have definitely done that, but I don't think it would have resulted in as good a product. So my, my suspicion, and you know, I, I would love to say this comes from Apple, but, um, you know, it's, it's Apple. They don't, they don't tell people everything. They um, don't have you on speed <laughs> dial. They they don't. They don't. So I, I do have some great contacts in Apple PR, but this isn't the kind of information that they that they volunteer. Um, so my, uh, my my theory for the for the the um, for moving to photos is twofold. One, they they had the vision of iCloud Photo Library being able to have. Your entire library available on any device, so that they were all just you know one interconnected ecosystem, and I think that was probably the 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 driving motivation for doing this, um, because you know that's the the iCloud aspect. That's that's where Apple wants to push forward, and that's where they think that they can you know offer the most Appleness to. To you know, make up a word um, in the fact that you know if they if they already control the Mac and the iPad and the iPhone and iCloud. When you have all that, you can do things like put your entire library into the cloud and make it available on all your devices. So I think I think that was primarily the thing. And um, although I'm I'm not a programmer, um, I would guess that that the other reason would be because. You know, iPhoto and Aperture are like what, uh, you know, 12 years old, maybe uh, 10, 12 years old. And so, you know, you just get a lot of code cruft that gets built up that needs to support older things. And so Apple, again, being the way Apple is sometimes, they said, look, we can just start from scratch. We can We can build something that's faster, that doesn't rely on, you know, all of this old code base, um, we can make it so that only people running, you know, OS 10, 10.3 and above can run it. So the the application, if you have an older uh, system, even, you know, Yosemite 10.2, it won't, it won't run the Photos app because they, they built in some system-level hooks in order to make all this, this possible.
2: And the thing, of course, is if you have the hooks built in the system... It makes the code base slimmer, and it helps improve performance. We've got more to come about photos for iOS and OS X with Jeff Carlson of Tidbits. This is the Tech Night Out Live.
9: Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network.
10: G-C-N.
9: Serious investors and traders want to make an 81% return in 60 seconds? We can show you how using our free tool. Use the same secret algorithm professional hedge fund managers use to make billions of dollars in profits. Turn $250 into $4,903 in just seven clicks of a mouse. Our tool is so simple, my 82-year-old grandmother can use it to make insane stock market profits. Best part, it's 100% free. Go to richmoneyrich.com, watch the free video before the hedge funds make us take it down. richmoneyrich.com, that's richmoneyrich.com.
11: Hi, this is Walt Augustinowitz. I'm the founder and CEO of ID Stronghold. By now you've heard our commercials about wallets that protect you from electronic pickpocketing. Ten years ago, I created a way to protect my own cards from prying eyes after government officials started talking about issuing a national ID card with a built-in radio chip called RFID. I felt having to broadcast my personal information was an invasion of privacy. Soon after, it was also announced that credit cards, debit cards, U.S. passports, hotel room keys, and even transit passes would all soon incorporate RFID. It was then I formed ID Stronghold to share my inventions in blocking RFID signals with the world. There are a lot of misconceptions out there today about RFID. I encourage everyone to get informed and get protected. Please go to IDStronghold.com and get the facts and the wallet sleeves, or badge holders you need to protect your personal financial data. You'll be pleasantly surprised that through our direct sales model, you won't pay more than other comparable unprotected wallets. It is as though the protection is free. Visit IDStronghold.com today.
12: It's so lonely here. I can barely stand it. I'm waiting for you to stroke your keys and unload over GCNlive.com community. Oh, come on. I know you have things to share. And there's a whole place waiting for you to share them. Light some candles, pour yourself a drink, and get cozy. Log in at GCNlive.com community. Lots of people are satisfied. Why not satisfy yourself at GCNlive.com slash community? I'm waiting. Get out of the friend zone at delicious.com.
13: Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at $11 trillion, gold trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded $16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The $20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing
14: Everyone says or does something silly once in a while, but once that embarrassing thing is on the internet, it can spread like a terrible rash. Put it to rest. Get a free expert analysis today from reputation.com. It only takes 30 seconds. 800-831-0771. We protect your online image by helping to make sure that when people search for you or your business, they find the most current, accurate information possible. Reputation.com. Because word travels fast. Call for a free analysis today. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771.
15: Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
2: So I'm Gene Steinberg here on the Tech Night Owl Live. Let me tell you about another feature of the show that we offer now. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus, Tech Night Night Owl Plus. What's that all about? Well, if you sign up for a modest monthly, annual, or five-year subscription rate, we will offer you the ad-free version of this show, free of the network ads, better quality audio, all that stuff for a modest subscription fee. So, if you've complained about the ads, that's one way to get out of it. Go to plus.technightowl.com. P L U S. We're talking to Jeff Carlson from tidbits. He's written the book on photos. He's explaining how it came to be, that Apple didn't want it to have to deal with legacy stuff, no baggage of the past, start anew with a new app, but it converts the original iPhoto's library. So you don't lose anything. Well, you lose a couple of
3: features, don't you? You do lose a a few little features. So I'll Specifically, talk just about about moving from iPhoto because moving from Aperture um, is, is a little more more complex. But um, you know, one of the big things that you lose, um, at least you know, one of the, the the features that I would use all the time in iPhoto is star ratings. Now, the the new Photos app, if you want to to set something apart from from other photos, you can mark it as a favorite. So it's it's just a binary. I like this photo. Versus all of the other photos, um, and uh, there isn't even a way to to like like re- reject other ones other than just to, to delete them. You know, some people that is a big shift for them. Um, so I, I wrote a book for Take Control called "Take Control of Your Digital Photos on a Mac," and outlined a a, a process of of using star ratings to mean different things. So, for example, um, you know, what I do in Lightroom, for example, is, um, you know, if, as I'm reviewing photos, if I find something that, you know, it's well composed and, and it's in focus, maybe I'll give it two stars. And if there's something, if there's another photo that, Appeals to me in some other way. Maybe it has really good lighting. I'll give it three stars, and then after I edit them, I'll make them four or five stars, depending on um, what. With the the overall purpose being able to you know find things later, like find your your good photos later. Um. So so that that capability is gone. You can kind of do a workaround. What what happens is when, when you open your old libraries, the those star ratings are converted to tags, keyword tags, and so you can still go and find which things were marked as four stars, it's just looking for a tag instead of a, a an actual rating. And so there's a a section in my book that, that describes how to how to replicate that, not exactly, but pretty close. Um, you know, so that's sort of one of the the big things that that uh, that people r- will run into. I would also say that that there's been a, a misconception since they even announced Photos that in order to use the Photos app, you need to do the iCloud photo library and you need to put all your photos up in the cloud. And that's actually not the case. You you don't even ever have to turn it on if you don't want that that syncing functionality. Um, And and in fact, you know, there are some instances where it won't even work, depending on, like, the size of your library and how much you're willing to pay to have more storage and et cetera. Now, this is the thing that bothers me here.
2: You want to make photos and iCloud work together so you can stick your entire photo library up there. Mm -hmm. So you give Mac users and iOS users 5 gigabytes free storage. Yeah. And I think that's... Chinsey. Now, let me give you the other prices. This is the pricing that we have now. You want 20 gigabytes, which is actually a reasonable figure. That should be the free figure. It's 99 cents a month to mm-hmm. put this thing in effect per year. If yeah. you want a terabyte, it's 19.99 a month. On the other hand, if you get Microsoft OneDrive, you get a terabyte for each of five users and pay ten dollars a month with five user licenses for Office for Mac and PC and five user licenses for the mobile or tablet version. So Microsoft's offering a good deal, but obviously not the integration of Apple. But mm-hmm. again, I think Apple's being chintzy about storage space. And we haven't gotten into the well-known sync and other glitches with <laughs> iCloud.
3: Yeah, well, it, I do not understand Apple's pricing. Um, even, you know, like, I think you you, you can make the argument that, okay literally millions of people are going to start using photos and will probably start using iCloud photo library. And, you know, that's a lot of storage, but you know, it's, it's Apple. So, you know, they can make this work. They have the resources to make it more competitively priced. Um, I think it's just one of those things where Apple knows that if you want to use the, the, the ecosystem that they've developed, that, you're going to pay for it and they you know i'm sure they've they've done all the calculations and they can you know net a nice tidy profit based on 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 those pricing um, pricing points so but they're not making a lot of money from selling iCloud
2: storage space because only a tiny fraction of Mac users and iOS users need it but they're making a tiny profit from the hardware yeah so why not give more storage space
3: because Apple, <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, um, that's the answer. Because Apple, it is. Yeah, yeah. Un, you know, unfortunately, it is. Um, well, and it, it's even sort of crazier. Um, I, uh, I know somebody who who would love to, to take advantage of it, but he has more than a terabyte of, of photos to back up, and you know, never mind how long it would take to actually upload all of that. And uh, the 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 rub is. If you have more than a terabyte, you you can't even you know if you have all the money that you want, you can't order a, a larger iCloud storage tier. And so, once your library hits a terabyte, then you know old things start getting removed from the cloud. Um, and it, you know if you have, let's say, you you opt for the the uh, the twenty gig tier and in a few months you take enough photos that you you push past the twenty gigs, then you need to update or it it, it won't sync. And if you start by saying, okay, I'm just gonna stick with my five gig tier, but I have six gigs of photos, um, it won't even let you sign up because you you have to pay for the, you know, the the incremental. So it's you know, it's it's Apple. I I, I, I can't understand that because Everybody else is so competitive with them that, yeah, um, I will say, however, that that the 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 syncing aspect of it at at first things were were pretty rough, and I think that was just um, you know getting started. But since then, I've actually had uh, you know photos has actually been sort of the, the model for iCloud syncing, um, and I know that that you know putting iCloud and syncing together in a positive light seems almost unimaginable. Um, But it's, you know, like in my experience so far, like it really does just work now. So I'm not sure what they did to, you know, blow out the cruft at the beginning, but uh, you know, it it seems to, it seems to work much better than even iCloud document syncing or, you know, uh, pages or numbers or any of those. So I don't know. Apple's Apple Services division is a is an odd black hole, so we just have to look from the outside, I guess. So it depends on what service you use. Of course, they've had problems with Apple Music,
2: and yeah. and sometimes well, yeah. the setting for iCloud Music Library is turned off, and you didn't do it, and there's confusion about whether your library has suddenly become missing. And this is certainly a problem that affected our friend Jim Dalrymple of The Loop. Now, I should point out before we go on, and we'll be talking more about it later, is that there is an iTunes 12.2.2 update for Mac and Windows and also a iOS 8.4.1 update. And the major fixes there are related to iCloud and its interactions with Apple Music. So hopefully they've got that all straightened out. We've got more things to straighten out because we've got Jeff Carlson of Tidbits at tidbits.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN.
2: So here's what happened. I was placing an order online
17: You are an individual with your own thoughts, decisions, and actions. So why should you be penalized for not enrolling in the subpar health insurance mandated by the government when you can be truly independent with Liberty HealthShare, a bold, innovative alternative, allowing you to take back control and make your own decisions about your health care? Mention this ad when you call to learn more. 800-714-6993. That's 800-714-6993. Liberty HealthShare. Together,
9: we are one. You pick up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then...
18: Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from?
9: Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota? Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. What color caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Day Day fun. Day Day fun. Fun. Day Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta Day move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now. Online at GCNlive.com Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com
15: know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
2: this is the tech night owl live i'm gene steinberg and we have jeff carlson of tidbits who are talking about photos and about syncing and where he says basically with photos, Apple is actually doing better, more reliable. Now as far as the photo editing tools, now this technically photos replaces both aperture and iPhoto. Yes. But it has more features than iPhoto,
3: but fewer features than Aperture. Yes. Um, so, I, I actually uh, published uh, an article in Macworld this week uh, that, that exposes some of the hidden power of, of, of the editing tools in Photos. Um, and I have to say, in of, of the whole Photos package, the editing editing tools uh, surprised me the most um, because it's actually much more capable than you would expect a, a 1.0 program to be. So, in terms of comparing it to iPhoto, like th- things that come to mind right away. There's a a levels tool that's more sophisticated than the one found in iPhoto. Um, and it, actually, it's a bit more sophisticated than than in a lot of a lot of applications. Um, and th- there are tools like like the the vignette tool to to make a vignette around an image. You could do that in iPhoto, but it was really chunky. It was like you can either have this large circle or a smaller circle with really dark edges. It it, it was just, it was, it was sort of horsey. And so in that sense, um, it's better than iPhoto. Oh, I I, I would also say that. So when you, when you first go into the editing environment and if you click the adjust button, which gives you um, control over uh, like lightness and um, color. And and, and there's also a really good black and white um, slider. So, when you access those, they 're just you know basically like a big slider that says, "Make this brighter or make it darker," uh, make it more saturated, make it less saturated that 's really like like the the quick fix tools found in in iPhoto, and if you then expand those out, you see all the different controls that that go into it, um, you know highlights and shadows and exposure and contrast, etc. And what's interesting is that the algorithms that they're using, as you drag the the larger light slider, it's not just sort of making everything brighter. It's very smartly examining the image. And so, when you make something brighter, the exposure, for example, might go down because it's compensating for bringing up the shadows or, or you know, different different edits like that. So, it's... More sophisticated than in iPhoto, compared to Aperture, what it's missing primarily are a way to um, to use plugins from other developers, and being able to to do localized adjustments, like like to be able to you know paint on someone's face just to to bring the the face shadows a little brighter, for example, but you don't want to affect the entire image. It, it doesn't have that. That level of of specificity, but isn't there support for extensions where you will have third party developer options for editing? Uh, will yes, yeah. so so the, the next version that, that ships with uh, OS ten El Capitan will have the the editing extensions. So hopefully we'll we'll see you know a lot of a lot of tools like you know maybe Pixelmator um, will will add that that capability in but for, for right now you can't do any of that. So at what percentage of aperture is it like 60 or 75%? Um I would probably say you know maybe maybe 75 to 80%. I haven't gone in and done, you know, like a feature by feature comparison. But yeah, I would say you know 75 80% in terms of the the editing tools. A lot of the the organizational tools um that aperture offers are either not in photos or they're, they're sort of not accessible. So, for example, Aperture lets you have full control over IPTC metadata. So, information that gets written to the image that says, like, your contact information or, you know, copyright information, things like that. Um, those are things that w- when you convert an Aperture library... That information is still there in the files, but Photos doesn't have an interface to to um, to display it, and there's no way that you can add that. I would imagine that's something that'll be added later on. It's just you know, it's it's not a high priority for most of the people using the app. So it's kind of like when they overhauled iMovie and later Final
2: Cut Pro 10. Now Final Cut Pro 10 was missing a lot of features, I think all or most of them have been restored in free updates, so you expect mm-hmm. that as photos develops and new versions come out, Apple could add a few of these things or allow third party developers to
3: add them exactly exactly and you know I think the the those comparisons are are spot on because um you know apple apple took something, they wanted to rewrite it um and in order to you know i think Basically, in order to, to hit a release date, they chose not to include some things, and then had to you know go go back and add them later. I think that that where hopefully Photos breaks from that mold, at least from the the, the Final Cut Pro side, is that um, you know the 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 switch from Final Cut Pro to Final Cut Pro 10. Um, was really jarring for a lot of of editors because the people using that are were generally professionals, and they had you know complicated workflows. and so to have something new just dropped onto them. And I believe that that Apple just immediately made the old Final Cut Pro unavailable. And so that that instituted a lot a lot of ill will and you know I, I think they're they're still paying for it. In this case, Apple, I think, is being kind of smart in that they are saying, okay, yes, this is the successor to Aperture. Yes, it will open your Aperture libraries, but we're not even trying to make it a feature-complete replacement for Aperture. I think a- Apple is just giving up that pro market because Adobe and Lightroom have you know, been walking away with it for years. But it doesn't stop a third-party
2: developer from saying, "Here, for ten dollars more, we'll give you all these extra features, which will exceed those
3: of Aperture." Exactly. Exactly. It's a it's a great opportunity in that sense. Get the basics and give them the rest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's Apple always wants to appeal to, to the largest number of of. Of customers, I think for a while they were very focused on, you know, attracting the the professional market, the you know, professional uh, video editors, professional photographers, because people would see that and go, oh, Walter Merch is is editing, uh, uh, you know, a, a major movie using something that I can put on my Mac. Well, that's impressive, and I think I should look at it. Or, you know, these these professional photographers use aperture and you know if it's good enough for them then heck it's good enough for me and it's you know less expensive than others etc cetera, etc cetera. um and i think apple doesn't really need that that shared cachet anymore you know apple has 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 gotten so big and so successful that just the fact that it's apple seems to 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 be enough, and, and going back to what you said earlier, um, you know it's it's all hardware sales ultimately that provide the the profit. So, um, you know, if you can see that this new photos thing does everything you want with your photos, then you know that's that's good enough to to you know know that when you buy a new MacBook Pro or a new iMac, it's going to come with it.
2: And if it takes just a few dollars more to get. Other features that you may otherwise be missing.
3: When that happens, that's the icing on the cake. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's 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 good for other developers that that um, you know Apple is sort of stepping out of the market. I don't think, and you know, I don't have any any numbers to back this up, but my, my gut feeling was, you know, they they held on to Aperture for a long time because they believed in it even in the face of the fact that I think they probably had a, a very small market share. I doubt that it was it was profitable for them at all. Um, you know and, and again it was that, you know, hey, cool creative people use Macs. Well now I think it's Apple's focus more is, hey, cool people use Macs, whether they're creative, whether they're um, you know, doing engineering or they're teaching, like it's it's not necessary to say that only the creative ones, you know, only the the, the crazy ones, as the old um, commercials went, uh, that, that, that the crazy ones use the Mac, and therefore, I want to associate myself, because now everybody uses Macs. So, so
2: therefore, everybody is crazy. Well, I didn't say that, but I would not disagree. <laughs> we have Jeff Carlson. I don't know if he's crazy or not. He's from Tidbits. At tidbits.com, and he also writes Take Control Books at takecontrolbooks.com. We'll talk about another Take Control Book, a crash course in an Apple Watch coming up. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN.
19: Sciatica, lower back pain, hip pain, poor posture. If you suffer from any of these problems, get ready to relax. Introducing an amazing product that's been in the market for over 25 years, the Sacro Wedgie. It was invented by a football coach using a common sense osteopath technique. He created this device to help his athletes by isolating and supporting the sacrum, which is the keystone of our anatomy. This wedge-shaped bone is in the center of our hips, where a lot of pain starts. Simply relax 20 minutes daily on the amazingly simple Sacro Wedgie and let Gravity do the work, helping muscles rebalance and start releasing nerves. Sit in the Sacro Wedgie at the computer or while traveling to help correct posture to finally help relieve those stubborn aches and pains for only $33.95. It's made in the USA, so click the family-owned website at SacroWedgie.com, spelled S-A-C-R-O-W-E-D-G-Y.com, or call 1-800-737-9295. That's 1-800-737-9295. Relax your back pain away with the Sacro Wedgie.
0: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. A little
2: bit later in the show, with our next guest, we'll be talking more about the iTunes 12.2.2 update update and iOS 8.4.1, which were released on Thursday. Do they fix the problems with Apple Music that people have been complaining about? Disappearing libraries, the mysterious addition of DRM to Songs You Own, all these other glitches. Is it better? Hmm. Jeff Carlson from Tidbits and Take Control Books is here, and he wrote a book about an Apple Watch crash course. Now, why do we need a crash course in Apple Watch? It doesn't just work, you have to figure it out?
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, so surprisingly, uh, there is a bit of a learning curve. And uh, some of that, I think, was was because we didn't know... You know, we we saw all the marketing, we saw Apple's videos, and so, you know, we had an idea of, of, of what it would be. And I think all of our ideas were just a little bit off because we were thinking, you know, small iPhone. Um, even though, you know in many ways, it it wasn't like that. But, you know, I I think that there was a, a bit of a hump that, that people had to get over that was like, oh, computer on your wrist. And it is a computer on your wrist in the sense that, you know, it has a processor, it has a screen, it has all of that. But the the interaction with it is a lot different than I think we all expected. Um, you know, I, I wear my Apple watch every day. I find it very useful, but I don't quote-unquote use it all the time i don't use it to to read articles or or any of those those things because it's it's really you know a a very handy assistant it's it's great for getting notifications for checking email occasionally um, replying to texts things like that and so especially when the book came out which is within a, a few weeks of of when the the App uh, when the Apple Watch was available, there was there was still that that bit of okay, what does this do? And I think even anybody now who would just go buy one, there's a bit of a learning curve in terms of okay, like where are the glances, why can't I access a glance on any screen? Why does it have to only be the watch face? And so you know there are things that that something like a crash course uh really uh, directly applies to and so um we we decided that we would we would do a book on it um and, and in fact uh we released the first version of the book before the the watch was even out um just because you know people were asking for it and so that that was great for sort of collecting all the information we knew at the time, and then once I actually had a watch on my wrist, then I went through and filled out the book and rewrote some sections of it for information that changed from when Apple announced it, you know, to to, to really flesh it out and get all those details right. And don't forget, when the first iPhone came out,
2: you needed a crash course. Okay, now we look at Apple Watch in relation to the iPhone, so we think it ought to work the same, and if it doesn't, it's complicated.
3: But the first iPhone was a totally new thing. Yeah, yeah. And the first iPhone didn't really do a whole lot. It didn't have apps. Um, you know, it, it had, you know, your calendar and things like that, but um, if you wanted apps, you had to basically load web pages, and so, you know, the we all forget about that now because the, you know, apps are so core to the experience of using a smartphone. Um, but, you know, the, the, the software development kit wasn't ready. And so, um, and, and I think you know, Steve Jobs, for a while, his his idea was, well, you know, people aren't going to need apps because they can just do everything using, you know, little web apps. I wonder also if he didn't say that
2: not because he believed it, but because they were still working On an app developer kit, I didn't want to say. Well, we have the kit coming out eventually. Right now, just do web apps and don't think about those things.
3: Yeah, I think it was a mix. I uh, from from what I've read and what I've heard, you know, he he did really believe that that they didn't need apps because, um, you know, if you have apps on the phone, that means you're you're allowing other people to do things on it, and you know, and that kind of takes some of the control out of Apple's hands. Whereas if it's web apps, then you know it's it's just um, visiting web pages, and it's it's not anything that Apple would need to be concerned about. And then they realized that that yeah, they did want to do apps, and they did need to put together an SDK, and it just wasn't ready um, in time. Which is sort of parallel to to um, to the Apple Watch. Although with the Apple Watch, they knew that they would need apps. On the watch, um, and uh, and so the, the this first revision apps just live on the phone, and there's like a little sort of network component that that you see on the watch, but all the all the processing is being done on the phone. And so with WatchOS 2 that's coming out in the fall, then developers will actually have that the the ability to um, you know have apps that that run natively on the phone and work faster and all of that.
2: So would you suggest that people who are skeptical right now about Apple Watch give it until September when we assume Watch OS two comes out to look at it more carefully?
3: Yeah, I think so. It's you know, I you have to, to you have to kind of figure out what you want a watch to do. Um if you have always worn a watch and you see watches as, you know, something as, you know, just decoration, then Unless you are really enamored with the design of, of the Apple Watch, then, you know, maybe it's not for you yet. But, you know, the, the, the interaction um, elements of it really, really push it beyond some of that. In fact, um, I'm, I'm not kidding, but as we were talking just now, I got a phone call. And you didn't hear it because um, my watch started thumping my wrist with the little Taptic engine telling me that I have a, a phone call. And I was able to look at it and just dismiss the phone call, send it to voicemail just now. So that didn't even become an issue, except that I just brought it up and made it an issue. But <laughs> the, the point there is that, you know, I was able to not get distracted and deal with something on my phone without having to, you know, pull the phone out, ask you to, to wait a second while I look at the number, you know, all of that stuff. Um, you know, and that's an example of, of, of how the watch can be sort of, uh, what am I trying to say? It's, it's like a, a, a silent helper in, in some ways. And I find, and I think a lot of people find, a lot of value in being able to do that, even if it's not, you know, the next iPhone or the next iPad or, you know, like, it doesn't have that same sort of fireworks that, that the other devices do, especially, you know, when they first came out. But over time, it just, it continues to be valuable. Does that make sense? Hopefully.
2: It makes sense. But let me tell you where I stand. Okay. okay. I am not one of Apple's favorite journalists, so they did not feed me with a free Apple watch for a few yeah. weeks before it came out. Same Most year. of us are not. And I do wear watches from the time I was 10 years old. I currently have a watch with a stainless steel case, silver colored. It's a calendar watch, sort of a calendar watch, because I can't see the numbers. The dates are too small, but it does keep pretty accurate time. It's running now about two and a half seconds faster than the clock on my iMac, which syncs to Apple's server. Mm-hmm. That's after maybe a couple of months.
3: So now, if I could future. know
2: that I can keep time within a few seconds every two or three months and then eventually sync it, then I don't worry about it too much. This watch cost me $12.88 at Walmart. It has a three-year warranty, which is kind of deceptive because <laughs> if the watch goes bad, I have to spend $6.00 to get it replaced. So (laughs) a $12.88 watch costs $6 to replace. If the battery goes, Walmart will charge me $5 and change to replace it. They'll replace it for me. It's not like you go into a jeweler and they say $15. So in all those respects, I'm going to have the game of the thing last a couple of years. Jeff Carlson of Titbits is here. (laughs) He has an Apple Watch. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
19: Sciatica, lower back pain, hip pain, poor posture. If you suffer from any of these problems, get ready to relax. Introducing an amazing product that's been in the market for over 25 years, the Sacro Wedgie. It was invented by a football coach using a common sense osteopath technique. He created this device to help his athletes by isolating and supporting the sacrum, which is the keystone of our anatomy. This wedge-shaped bone is in the center of our hips, where a lot of pain starts. Simply relax 20 minutes daily on the amazingly simple Sacro Wedgie and let Gravity Do the work, helping muscles rebalance and start releasing nerves. Sit in the Sacro Wedgie at the computer or while traveling to help correct posture to finally help relieve those stubborn aches and pains for only $33.95. It's made in the USA, so click the family-owned website at SacroWedgie.com, spelled S-A-C-R-O-W-E-D-G-Y.com. Or call 1-800-737-9295. That's 1-800-737-9295. Relax your back pain away with the Sacro Wedgie.
18: My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the Nuca approach utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design in a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's DrOrtman.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right.
12: It's so lonely here. I can barely stand it. I'm waiting for you to stroke your keys and unload over GCNlive.com community. Oh, come on. I know you have things to share. And there's a whole place waiting for you to share them. Light some candles, pour yourself a drink, and get cozy. Log in at GCNlive.com community. Lots of people are satisfied. Why not satisfy yourself at GCNlive.com community? I'm waiting. Get out of the friend zone at delicious.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at com. That's news at techniteowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at TechnightOwl.com slash radio. That's com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
2: So let me ask you here with the Apple Watch, and we're talking about the advantages, Jeff Carlson. If I'm setting up an Apple Watch for the first time, Mm -hmm. what should I do to get over the learning curve? Of course, other than reading your book.
17: Yes.
3: (laughs) Read my book front to back. uh, Memorize every word. No. What's nice is the, the setup process is actually quite delightful um, and, and I, I know that sounds sort of ethereal to say but the the way that, that you pair your phone with the watch is like w- one of those great first impression moments um, after that I think the the primary thing to do um other than, you know, go through and, and find which watch face you like, which is, which is a lot of fun. Um, but uh, is, is go through and, and figure out what sort of notifications you want. Because initially, anything that comes to your phone will, will go to your watch. And in a lot of cases, that can be too much. And so, being able to, to set, you know, which, which things actually demand your attention Goes a long way toward how valuable the watch is to you, so for example um, you know for a while uh, uh, whenever someone would you know post something mentioning me on facebook whenever that would happen, a notification pops up on my phone and it would it would it would hit my watch well that 's fine if i 'm you know, sitting at my computer, or if, even if I'm looking at at my iPad or something, um, but I don't need to know that on my watch. I, you know, it's it's not important that I know exactly when somebody, you know, uh, does something on Facebook. I usually and, don't care what they do
2: on Facebook as long <laughs> as they're nice to me and they don't attack me on Facebook.
3: <laughs> exactly. That's an example of sort of paring down what is essential. Um, one of the things that that's described in the book and, the, and that I did was um, uh, set up certain people in the mail app on the phone as VIPs. So, you know, let's say Adam Engst has an email to me. Well, Adam is the publisher of Tidbits and I value his opinion. And usually when we're talking via email. It's, you know, about take control or something like that. So, you know, what he says is probably important. So I I do want to know when I get an email from Adam. And it and that will that will pop up as a as a, a notification on the watch. I can, you know, browse the message real quickly and see if it's something that I need to act on or something that I can, you know, wait on. And um that that interaction right there happens. It's not like I have to, you know, stop everything check the mail on my phone. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people do this. You're checking your mail or something on the phone and you're like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, bounce over to Twitter, see what's going on there. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, oh crap, totally got lost in my phone again. So, So you wasted 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, with, With the watch, that doesn't happen. I think I actually spend less time uh, you know on Twitter or Facebook or you know uh, things like that on my phone because it 's not the the distraction it's the watch is kind of a a a funnel for important information, and so when you 're setting it up um, so determining what what that important information to you is goes a long way, and that 's also something that that you know. Most likely, you'll get a lot of notifications about things the first week or two um, that y- you you will realize then, you know, hey, this isn't as important. And then you pair back. Um, same with, with apps. Um, the way the the apps work, any app on the phone that has a watch component can be automatically installed. Well... A lot of that stuff might even be apps that you don't even use anymore. So, you can remove those or you can change, you know, which glances appear, things like that. Okay, so that certainly is a positive aspect mm-hmm. of Apple Watch. And um, I, I would also say, um, partially because my, uh, <laughs> again, my watch just told me, um, it's time to stand. I am finding, although I'm not, um, you know, a, a super-duper exercise guy... Um, having the the fitness prompts and the the activity circles um, you know it, it it actually makes a difference in in making sure that I'm not sitting in front of my computer like a toad all day actually getting up and moving around and you know it's that that's something that you know say a Fitbit could do or you know even a you know some app that just gave you a calendar reminder, but having that, that little bit of quantification, even for somebody who's not super into, into exercising, um, helps a little bit. And that's a good thing too.
2: Now understand Jeff, in three minutes, you'll be done with this interview Uh and you can stand up, (laughs) but until then you can't, I can't, I can't. What are the things that people get wrong about Apple watch?
3: Well, they expect that it's going to be this, you know, this this super duper life changing thing, and that's that's kind of the what do people get wrong with Apple in general um, questions, you know? Um, they think that okay, because I have an Apple Watch, everything's going to be better, or I'm going to be, you know, ten times more productive, and you know, it's I'm sure that there are. Some people who you know will get a lot more out of it than others, um, but I think it's it's that 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 crazy expectation. Um, also, just that you know, it's Apple, so therefore everything that they that they do is not only life changing, it's world changing, and it's going to improve their business and you know whatever. Um, so basically, Apple
2: can't produce something that just. Is a cool device because if it doesn't change your life completely,
3: it has to be unsuccessful. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and then th- that's something that we see in in the news all the time. Um, you know, especially if you follow follow technology. Um, the, the, I think the Apple Watch has been great for uh, whoever writes the Macalope at MacWorld because they, uh, you know, like there there's always something new coming out about how. You know, the Apple Watch is a failure. Apple didn't release any, any uh, uh, you know, sales figures for it. Apple's doomed. You know, it's like, oh, come on. You know, go back to basics. Wearables are a thing. And Apple... Wanted to be in that market because it's something that Apple could do again because you have the, the whole Apple ecosystem and, and they're so good at, at manufacturing things, you know, with, with, you know, good design and tight tolerances and things like that. So, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's more obvious now in hindsight, but, you know, of, of course, Apple will do a watch. Does it need to be more successful than the Mac and the iPhone and the iPad? No, it can be something that works well with all those things. You know,
2: so and of course, let me just break it here because we have to. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> end this, okay? And very quickly, it's also possible that two, three, four years from now, the next Apple Watch in those years will work as a standalone device. We don't know
3: yet. Oh, absolutely. Things are changing. Absolutely. Jeff Carlson, where can we find more of the stuff you do? Uh, you can find me on the web at jeffcarlson.com dot com and on Twitter at at jeffcarlson. That's the best way. Yeah. Jeff
2: Carlson, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me.
9: A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network,
5: GCN. Are you excited about the World Wide Web? Do you want a place where you can share your ideas and express yourself? Well, dial up your modems and stream on down to the GCN Live Community Forum. Lots of radical features await you there.
14: Wow, Internet guy. I'm so glad I went to the GCN Live Community Forum.
5: You too can discover why the World Wide Web is awesome. Just go to GCNLive.com forum. That's GCNLive.com forum. I'll see you in cyberspace. Friend at GCN Live on Diaspora and cross.tv. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com.
20: That's SilverLungs.com.
1: Mike Stenerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it. So decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237 extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237 extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237 extension 116.
21: There are hundreds of silver products on the market today, but there's nothing like the astonishing health benefits of the multi-patented One Silver Solution. Boost your immune system at a great price with our Silver Solution Liquid, starting at $12.95 a bottle. Now available in regular and extra strength. That's half the price of the leading competitors. Call 844-USE-SILVER for your free catalog or go to onesilversolution.com. onesilversolution.com. There is only one Silver Solution. What's going to happen next?
15: You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
2: So I was thinking here whether it would make sense for the entire planet Earth to have a single time zone. Let me be specific. So we have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, back again this week. We'll be talking about the new updates from Apple, whether they impact Apple Music and other subjects. But right now, as we do this show, this is not when you're hearing the show, but as we record this episode, it's 5.30 a.m. in Arizona. It's 1.30 p.m. in the U.K., a pretty comfortable time. You know, it's right after lunch or ahead of an early, a late lunch, depending on your schedule. For me, it's barely time for breakfast. What do you think, Kirk? One time, Earth time,
22: Well, you know, the time zones are set based on noon when the sun is highest in the sky, and there's logic for this. And if we only had a single time zone, we would have grown up and gotten used to it, that in every country where you are, your lunchtime, instead of being around noon or one o'clock, is going to be four in the morning or seven at night, according to the difference in time. It's interesting that China does this. They have a single time zone. I think the country is wide enough... To cover either six or eight time zones so that means and the time zones based on Beijing which is in the east so that means when it's noon in Beijing it's noon in the west of China whereas it's six or eight hours later by the Sun it's it's you know historically it's probably an interesting story as to how this developed but my guess is that um, each country just figured that noon was the center of the day which kind of makes sense when you look at the Sun and adapted accordingly um, it would be a lot easier for some things in terms of, you know, for you and I. We make this appointment uh, often when we make an appointment. You tell me Pacific time. You don't even tell me Arizona time, which is an hour off because you know the Pacific time is easier to understand.
2: Well, the other um, problem is that Arizona does not observe daylight, daylight savings, savings time. That's right. We're yeah. in the backwoods here.
22: Well, no, you're in the you're in the avant garde. I wish the entire world would drop daylight saving time. It doesn't improve anything.
2: Well, at least if it's going to be one way or the other, that's what I think. Then it's 12 months a year. If you're not, then it's 12 months a year.
22: Yeah, I I find that change is always annoying. Um, How often are there issues with um, iPhones or other devices that... How often are are there issues with iPhones or other devices that don't take the the daylight saving time change into account correctly. And you've set a reminder or an alarm to wake up and it's an hour off. Um, We could really do without that.
2: Well, there's so much politics involved there. And I think the original story in the US is somehow it benefits farmers. But what difference does it make if you get up at 4.30 or 5.30 as long as you're up at the appropriate time to do whatever you do?
22: I think there's actually some evidence that it saves power that you're using lights less and you're awake at a different time and maybe using air conditioning different. I'm not sure. Um, but it causes such havoc. You know, you, you, you've got a son and when he was young, oh, no, but you don't observe daylight at savings time. So you didn't have this. Um, for all we had us,
2: it ha- in New Jersey.
22: Right. Okay. So when Grayson was young, you were in New Jersey and, you know, getting a kid up and getting them used to that one hour difference. Um, it takes a few days and it's, it's a hassle.
2: Right now, Grayson has been living in Spain for the past few years. Yep. And I, don't the know what the t- I don't know what the time zone is there. I think it's similar to France. No, it's the same as the UK. Well, you see, what do I know about these things?
22: Fr- France is actually on the wrong time zone. So France is just south of the UK, and it should be on the same time zone. Um, but when Germany was... Uh, When Germany took over much of France uh, during World War II, they changed the French time zone to match that of Germany, and the French never changed it back.
2: Well, maybe we have the problem in France is because the Coneheads live there.
22: Yes, they are from France.
2: By the way, they're doing now for one of the insurance companies in the U.S. a Coneheads commercial. And You've got Jane Curtin and you've got Dan Aykroyd. Of course, now Dan Aykroyd is a little bigger than he used to be, so it's like having two Dan Aykroyds.
22: Well, you get something for free, but that, that's interesting. So they must be targeting people who are old enough to have remembered the Coneheads on Saturday Night Live.
2: Right. Well, they also had a TV show after that. But speaking of remembering the past, they, this week, are releasing The Man from U.N.C.L.E., a new movie directed by one of your people from the U.K., Guy Ritchie. He did the Sherlock Holmes wacky stuff with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. and Jude Law. So now we have Superman... Henry Cavill, who slims himself down, literally speaking, he slims down the muscle and he becomes Napoleon Solo. And he's Brit, of course, he's doing an American accent, kind of imitating a little bit Robert Vaughn in the original Man from U.N.C.L.E. And then you have Army Hammer, who famously appeared in one of the most unsuccessful movies of all time, The Lone Ranger, with Johnny Depp as Tonto. And he plays Ilya Kuryakin, and he imitates a Russian accent. And he said he learned the Russian accent by listening to a YouTube video of a Russian personality. So anyway, okay. Okay. Now, talking of aging somebody, that's a series from the 1960s, Man <clears throat> from Uncle. Do you remember it?
22: I do. I remember, well, I, I don't remember when it was actually on the first time. I'm not sure what the years were, but I do remember watching it, um, probably on reruns.
2: Now, in that case, you had an American playing an American, And you had somebody from Scotland, David McCallum, playing the Russian, you know, with the crazy blonde hair. And, of course, right now you can see him on NCIS. He's probably more well-known for that than for being Ilya Kuryakin for four years. Yeah. But the character Napoleon Solo was created by Ian Fleming. Really? Okay. Did you know that? Wasn't
22: the man from Uncle meant to be a sort of takeoff on the James Bond stuff?
2: Exactly. It was supposed to be a TV takeoff of that spy stuff. In fact, right. one of the reviews of Henry Cavill as Napoleon Solo in the new movie has it that he's being very much like Roger Moore in the early James Bond films. Right. You know, kind of the light quips and the sarcastic chatter and that kind of thing. Always in a suit and everything. I, I'm just
22: seeing on Wikipedia, it, it was only on from 64 to 68, 105 episodes. Of course, they did more episodes in a season back then. And the first season was in black and white. Right. I'm not sure I remember seeing black and white ones, though, personally. I I would have seen them later again in syndication, and maybe they didn't show the black and white ones in syndication.
2: Sometimes they colorized them. Remember what they used to do? They used to take a black and white film, and they'd apply color to it electronically. And the impact was always bad. Because, you know, there's a certain flavor of black and white. The lighting and everything is set up for that medium. So if you turn it into color, it never looks quite correct. Okay. Well, I I must
22: say, and you like to talk about movies, and you like to talk about superhero movies and things like that, and I find that it just shows a real lack of creativity in Hollywood that they're going back to yet another TV series. I I want to see a remake of Mr. Ed or, or My Mother the Car. Now those are some serious that that's some high quality TV.
2: Right, but you never duplicate the voice of Mr. Ed. Mr. No. Ed was portrayed by a Western star named Alan Rocky Lane. He did the voice of Mr. Ed.
22: How do you know all this? <laughs> really? How do you know all this? You know so much trivia about TV.
2: People think I'm trivial, bum bum.
22: Well, that's you know, that's a good segue into a break, isn't it?
2: It's a segue into something I haven't figured out. Now, okay. let me ask you though: Would you see a movie like *The Man from Uncle*? It's a spy send-up. It's meant to be funny. It's not a deep film. It's a kind of a wacky film. If you've seen the, the trailers and everything, would you see a film like that?
22: That's kind of the movie. I wouldn't go to the to a movie theater to see it. That's kind of the movie that when it comes on Netflix or whatever, the kind of thing. Like it's a weekend, we're tired, we want to just see something mindless, and yeah. That or the new Mission Impossible; th- those are the kinds of movies that I would definitely not pay to go see in cinemas. Well,
2: with Mission Impossible, it's always what dumb stunt will Tom Cruise do next, and how much will he run? Well, in this because particular case, in, every movie. in this particular case, he's hanging off the side of an airplane that's flying.
22: I saw that clip, yeah, and that—that's from the very beginning of the film. I saw him when he was on the Daily Show, and they showed that clip.
2: And he really did that. Yeah, I mean, this guy is so. nuts. Let me. Speaking about nuts, we're going to talk about Apple Music and see whether Apple got things straightened out in the next segment. With Kirk McElhern being a good sport, and I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: We are the premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network,
2: GCN. a2hosting.com. Check out their prime hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when you check out.
14: If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state in back taxes, you know they'll never stop coming after you. With bank levies, wage garnishments, they'll even seize your home or business. The good news? A government program for tax debt forgiveness. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative. I'm Paul Sibley.
5: With U.S. Tax Shield, we can help navigate the new laws, get you protected, and resolve
14: your tax issues permanently. Call the experts at U.S. Tax Shield now for your free consultation and get a guaranteed quote to resolve your case. Call 800-436-6451. That's 800-436-6451.
6: Now a twice as nice twin kit special offer from Complete H2O Minerals for all GCN listeners. Get a Complete H2O Minerals twin kit with 33 different minerals, vitamins, and amino acids all in a liquid form. Enough for two people for one month. Regular price $89.95. But now Complete H2O Minerals is offering the twin kit for $69.95. And all GCN listeners receive a bonus 16-ounce bottle of Ionic Silver absolutely free with free shipping. A $120 total value. Hurry, limited time offer. Call 803-794-4767 or click CompleteH2OMinerals.com.
17: You are an individual with your own thoughts, decisions, and actions. So why should you be penalized for not enrolling in the subpar health insurance mandated by the government when you can be truly independent with Liberty HealthShare, a bold, innovative alternative, allowing you to take back control and make your own decisions about your health care. Mention this ad when you call to learn more. 800-714-6993. That's 800-714-6993. Liberty HealthShare. Together,
21: we are one. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
10: This is Dan Pillot. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years.
15: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
2: This is the Tech Night Isle Live. And I kind of think at one point in time I should do kind of a pop culture movie TV kind of show. I just don't have the time. But if you know someone wants to write me a check, I'll think about it. Cur- it
22: seems like many of these shows, we do end up to be pop culture movies, TVs. Exactly. In any case... Just, just a footnote about Tom Cruise. I, was, I had never really thought of how old he was. Um, but then on The Daily Show, um, Jon Stewart meant, asked him how old, and he said he's 53. I found that surprising. For some reason, he looks like, you know, he looks like Dorian Gray. He's like never aging kind of thing.
2: And it's interesting, too. He's got a cousin who's just about the same age, William Mopother. I yep. think that's the way you pronounce it. That's his real name. That's his family name. That's his first cousin. And he's a character actor. You see him on TV. And he has more of a grisly face, not an easy-looking face. And he plays villains a lot of times. Yeah, he and he's within Lost. a couple of years yep. of Cousin Tom. Yep. And you, can, you can't imagine they're almost the same age.
22: Yeah. He, he was in Lost. He played this guy named Ethan who was, I think it was in the first season of Lost or the second. It was the first one. Um, he was the first of the others that they found on the island. And I'm just looking on Wikipedia. He's played in an awful lot of TV stuff other than that.
2: Now, he's actually younger than his cousin. He's 49. Um, William he's Robert Mapother Jr. Yep. Yeah. Actually, he just turned 50 in April. Yeah. So, meanwhile. I don't know what we're doing here. But we're going to talk about iTunes, and Again? we're going to talk about Apple Music, and we're going to talk about music Again? for iOS. Again? Well, you know, it's Apple's fault. You know, they release this thing, Apple Music, and you know, there was a lot of anticipation for it. It would be the bee's knees in terms of subscription music services. And the rollout was kind of flaky. And I've been reading the liner notes as Apple releases them, and they never very detailed, for iTunes 12.2.2. Don't ask me how I remember that, just like I remember that David McCallum is a Scotsman playing a Russian in The Man from U.N.C.L.E., or the fact that the iOS update is 8.4.1, mostly focused on Apple Music. And the raw question before we look at specifics, Mr. iTunes guy, do they fix the problems or is it just one step in a long road?
22: I don't know. Um, They do say that they're fixing a number of issues. Um, The 8.4.1 update says it fixes some issues with iCloud Music Library and adding to playlists and and displaying the wrong artwork and all. I I haven't been able to test it yet to find if these things have been resolved. iTunes does add some new I would say features and quotes. If you click on the Beats 1 banner on the radio tab, you you see a schedule. and you can access the older um, shows as well. You can view a list of artists that you're following on Connect, which, curiously, you couldn't before, and that's kind of weird. Um, they've got some, they've fixed some sorting issues and playlist things, and it's not, it's, it's minor fixes for the most part, but they don't say whether they've fixed any of the problems with um, matching music. Under Apple Music, Um, someone on Twitter said he tested it and it's no better. So in in his case, uh, I know from someone on Twitter that the matching isn't fixed. So Apple Music, unlike iTunes Match, matches by metadata. And so someone on Twitter, I know he tested with some live recordings and they got matched to studio recordings. So what Apple Music is doing is it's only looking at the song name and the artist name. Um, As for the rest of the issues, uh, it's going to take some time to know if they really have fixed or not.
2: I think the issue here also is how much of these problems are related to the apps and how many are related to iCloud and the way it manages the system.
22: Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it iCloud as such because... So App- Apple is is increasingly using iCloud as an umbrella for everything that's in the cloud, and that's not a bad thing. But we tend to think of iCloud as the features that you can access on iCloud.com. So it's your, your email, your contacts, and your calendar the, that are synced and shared and all that. Um, while they're calling this iCloud Music Library, I don't think th- this stuff isn't it's not the same database. It's not stored in the same place. It's different. You could have a different iCloud. You can have a different Apple ID for iCloud and for the iTunes store. Um, So I think they're totally separate databases. So, you know, we we do see iCloud problems from time to time, but I don't think the problems with uh, Apple Music and the iCloud Music Library are in any way related to problems we see with iCloud.
2: But it's part of their online management anyway. Because this well, is not it's something that's being done locally using. on your Mac. But, it's something that's being done by their servers.
22: Right. And that's, th- there's a risk of using that name a little bit too far. Because, again, you sign into iCloud.com, you don't see anything about music. You can't even mad- manage your iTunes store account from there. So there is a risk of using that name for too many things, I think.
2: Either way, Apple has to get their online stuff together.
22: Yeah. So they just introduced something yesterday. One of the problems, one of the complaints a lot of people have had about iCloud is that they can lose all of their contacts and calendars and and things. And the the there was back in the day, there used to be a a process of restoring um, when you had sync problems, and then it stopped. And yesterday they released a new feature on iCloud.com. You can restore files from iCloud Drive contacts or calendars and reminders. And it seems to be like a sort of a time machine type interface because when I looked at it this morning, um, UK time, I, if I look at my contacts, for instance, it shows that they were updated. It shows a number of dates that I can restore from. Now, I don't often change contacts, so I can't guarantee that each of these dates, which were separated by four days or two days or 14 days or eight days. I don't know if each of these dates represents a date when I change something um, for my contacts. But this is a really good thing that they're keeping backups now um, of your files from iCloud Drive, and they seem to... um, You can only restore them for 30 days of your contacts and your calendars and reminders. So if you've lost data, um, you can recover it from the web. Now, I'm not sure... I, I haven't seen this in iOS, so I'm not sure if this is a feature you're going to be able to do without going to the web at some point. In, in fact, I would almost see Apple releasing an iCloud app to manage your iCloud settings on iOS. Y- you manage some of the settings from the iOS settings app, but there are a lot of things you can't do, and these are the kinds of things that might be better in a dedicated app.
2: You see, at this point, it's, I think, very confusing to people what's being managed online, what's being based on your own software. But in the case of Apple Music, for example, don't you think that some of the problems that people are reporting can be fixed by online changes without upgrading iTunes or music for iOS?
22: You know, it's not clear. So just take this matching problem. If Apple only had a way of for a user to say, hey, this is the wrong match, let me choose the right one. Um, as long as it's Apple Music only, right, which isn't using acoustic fingerprinting, they should allow you to do this and and make things better. So you should be able to select an album and say, hey, you've matched the wrong album. Here's the right album to match it to. Um, Since the matched files that you re-download have DRM, it's not a big deal. It's not like you're getting stuff that doesn't belong to you. You can only access it as long as your subscription is active. Um, iTunes Match, of course, is different. It uses acoustic fingerprinting, so it's not going to match a live track to a studio version of a song.
2: Is there a way they could make it better, or is it just as much as you can do?
22: Well, again, app- Apple's trying to err on the side of caution, not allowing users to tweak things and all, and, and, and I think that would improve things. Um, you know, it's it's hard to know. There's nothing to compare this with. So, so Spotify, if you have the Spotify app on the desktop, you can access music. It's in your iTunes library, and I think music in any folders as well. But it doesn't get added to your Spotify library. You, you can't then access it on Spotify on iOS. Now, you might be able to access music on your iPhone from the Spotify iOS app, so music you've synced uh, with iTunes, but it doesn't get added to the library. And, and this is a while this is, to me, the killer feature of Apple Music, if it works... Um, it's an extremely complex feature, and it's clear that getting it to work right isn't that simple.
2: Well, we can discuss what Apple needs to do to get this thing straightened out. If there's anything we could recommend to them,
22: we have Kirk McElher. I'm, Mac- sure, I'm sure they're listening to the show. So yeah, let's recommend.
2: Let's recommend what the heck? We have Kirk McElher, the iTunes guy from MacWorld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live.
9: from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers. GCN.
0: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg here in the Tech Night Owl Live. We should point out also he's got a blog called Kirkville at macklehearn.com. And he's got like several posts a day with hints and tips and information about iTunes. So if it's on world, if you go to Kirkville, you'll get the rest of the story.
22: And, and not just about iTunes. I write about Macs and iOS devices and music. And I even write about some things that maybe won't, listen, won't interest all of your listeners, like classical music and theater and books, etc.
2: We can always go into the fact that Apple appears to be playing a short shrift to classical music in Apple Music, but hopefully things will get better. Now, in any case here, looking at Apple Music on June 30th, looking at it mid-August, what do you think is better? Because it looks like most of the changes in iTunes and iOS 8.4.1 were so subtle, most people would hardly notice the difference.
22: There aren't that many changes. Um, I think a lot of the changes are, are to Beats One Radio and to the way you the way you access certain types of content. But I'm not sure that anything else has changed. Um, I'm, I don't think the for you recommendations are any better, um, and and they should have gotten better over time. The more you indicate music you like and don't like, you know, the the, the better the recommendations should be. Um, one thing that I noticed. And I'm actually going to confirm right now that it's still the case. If you go in the For You recommendations on an iPhone or an iPad, you can tap and hold a recommendation and a menu comes up and you can say, I don't like this suggestion. So you can tell, not only you can tell Apple Music what you like by clicking the little heart button, but you can tell them what you don't like. And you still can't do this on iTunes with yesterday's update.
2: Well, there Um, is a way now to do that. It's really complicated. Like if you bring up an album and you click or tap on a song, like I have Creedence Clearwater Revival, the covers, and I see Susie Q and I see the three dots, and I right uh, if I right, click okay, on so the three dots, yep. I have an option recommend less like this. Yes. Okay. That's new. Okay. Okay. That's one of these unannounced features. Now that's something that I was complaining about with regard to the fact that you could do that in music for iOS, but you can do it with the full album. I don't see here a way to do it for the full album. Let me see. Yes, I can now do it for you the full can, album. You can I do it for
22: an album and for a playlist as well.
2: You, right. So, you know, it's getting there. It's doing the things you need to do. I should also point out that For You is finally getting a better handle on what I like because no, I'm no longer seeing tom jones and barry manilow in my for you list i'm still seeing eddie arnold and i can't figure out that connection because eddie arnold was kind of like a crossover pop easy listening country act okay not quite hardcore country and so maybe they're getting some kind of connection there but still i don't listen to eddie arnold
22: well yeah and so I get all sorts of things that I don't listen to. And what really irked me yesterday was I got a karaoke playlist for classic rock. And I think that's just, um, I made a pretty snarky article on my website saying that this was jumping the shark. Because really, that's just sad to be recommending crap like that. Um, I I listened to one Bruce Springsteen album once. And now I get every single Bruce Springsteen album recommended, along with every Bruce Springsteen playlist, of which there are quite a few. And I like Bruce Springsteen, and and I know his music, so I don't really need to see them recommended. But I don't want to tell them I don't like him because the recommendation should take into account my taste rather than... The, The problem is the recommendations aren't broad enough. There's a very limited number of playlists and albums being recommended, and it's just hammering the same things over and over rather than sort of reaching out and trying to find connections as much as it should. Is it more of a
2: broad brush approach here?
22: Yeah, I think so. And so my my initial thought was that Apple Music was going to leverage Genius, and this is the technology that Apple added to iTunes some years ago. It looks at your library, compares your music library with the libraries of others, and it finds that you like, say, Hank Williams and Frank Sinatra, and it suggests that you might like Harry Connick Jr., right? You know, not not a, an off-the-wall suggestion. And I find Genius to be somewhat interesting. It's not always spot-on. Um, and, and I expected Apple Music to use that, and it doesn't look like it is. It keeps recommending albums that are in my iTunes library. It recommends albums that I bought from the iTunes store. Play one album from a given decade, and you get a whole bunch of playlists about that decade. So, hey, I'm just scrolling through. Another Bruce Springsteen um, playlist recommended, Bruce Springsteen Anthems. It's recommending bands that I don't really know. Um, It's recommending bands, um, albums I've listened to recently. So is it saying, listen to it again? I'm not sure what the point of that is. Uh, Again, the fact that it's telling me, that, that it's showing me albums that I own, that I bought from the iTunes store, that, that's just a little bit surprising. I mean, this is the same account. It, it, it iTunes knows what I've bought. It should take that into account.
2: Well, as I said, it's an algorithm. This is not the same thing as having live curation of music. This no, is supposed but, to be adaptive to what you do. Right, but the playlists
22: themselves are, quote-unquote, curated by humans. So what's happening is the For You section includes these curated playlists and a selection of albums, which are selected however way they are. I don't know. So the, the problem is, is it's a little frustrating to think that, you know, I'm going to check for you every once in a while. And, and Hey, I found some good reminders in, in the for you section of music. I haven't listened to for a long time. Um, an Elton John album from the seventies cream, um, some old stones, things that I used to own on LPs and that I don't, And I never bought on CDs. So for that, it's actually interesting. But I'm not seeing a lot of recommendations that are, if I like Pink Floyd, I shouldn't get recommended. I don't know.
2: Well, again, that might be something that is so fine detailed, so subtle. It may take months to train that. If they're
21: using
22: Genius, then they should be able to do this. Because they've got this data, they've got a massive data from people. Um, now, maybe this is a, a totally different uh, recommendation algorithm. Maybe they're not using Genius anymore, and in that case, it should take months. Uh, uh, just one, one thing that I note is that the classical music recommendations are just horrid. It's basically only recommending music performed by a couple of artists who I've listened to or who I've liked um, and, and that's a problem with classical music. You shouldn't be recommending music by the same artist. You should be recommending music by the same composers or composers from a similar period, of a similar style, etc. So for classical music, it fails. For jazz, it's been interesting. My, my jazz knowledge is somewhat limited. So, you know, finding some new stuff by, let's see, Kenny Burrell, Fred Hirsch, you know, these people I don't know very well. But to recommend that I listen to Kind of Blue, you know, it's in my iTunes library. They shouldn't be recommending that.
2: Well, also here one of the things a proper for you service should offer is to expand your horizons, not be predictable. Suggest yes. things you may not have considered, but you give them a chance and then by saying no, recommend less like this or you stick the heart there on the songs you like, maybe that's a way of fine tuning it. But wouldn't you yes. like wouldn't you like a system that actually expands your horizons rather than is predictable in terms of your musical tastes?
22: Yes, but expands at one or two degrees of separation. So I'm just looking at a a row of albums. Um, So on iTunes, you get six albums across. So there's an album by New Order, um, which not a big New Order fan, but I like Joy Division. Um, An album I own by Brad Meldow and Pat Metheny. So that's, you know, fails. Um, Meaty, bitty, big and Bouncy by The Who. Haven't listened to that in ages. Uh, A Philip Glass movie soundtrack, an album by The Happy Mondays. I've never listened to The Happy Mondays. I've heard the name. And an album of music by Steve Reich. So that's a decent selection. I would say they're one degree of separation away from music I have. But if I scroll down, I get a playlist of Lady Gaga influences. Couldn't care less, frankly.
2: Lady Who? Yeah, I know who Lady Gaga is. yeah. Right. Um, we also know who Kirk McElhern is. That's because we're going to do a break now. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
24: Awesome health can no longer be attained from food alone. Since the advent of chemical agriculture in 1945, U.S. soils have become progressively more
1: demineralized
24: and infertile. Human health has correspondingly declined. To reverse this trend and to even have a chance at feeling great requires sophisticated supplementation. To make up for what is not in our foods, when our bodies are mineral deficient, they require more protein. We suggest you begin with One World Way. One World Way is a new and improved protein power food. Our technological enhancement yields us a whey protein that produces phenomenal results. All case histories indicate that your body functions in a more youthful manner. One World Whey not only supports detoxification, building of lean muscle, and immunity, it strongly supports your energy and sense of well-being. One World Way tastes delicious and comes in single servings. Call 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com.
25: The human body is more than 60% water. Your brain and muscles are 75% water. And your blood is 92% water. Water is vital to your body. And alkalizing your water is the key to keep it running at its best. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops keep your entire body healthy, boosts energy, promotes weight loss, and even fights cancer. Call 800-518-7615 or go to AlkaVision.com to find out more. That's AlkaVision.com
12: okay honey I have to ask and be honest here have been taking a little blue pill because things have been pretty good in the bedroom lately no i swear you didn't pick anything up at the pharmacy last month in cancun no well something's different
15: i have been taking that heart and body extract you bought me
12: but that's for your heart and to control your
15: cholesterol well i read hb extract also promotes healthy prostate function
12: i never guessed it would work this well but, but
9: you're glad it did
12: oh yeah
9: heart and body extract is a 100 organic formula that promotes a strong heart, healthy arterial flow, better circulation, improves erectile and prostate gland function, and provides youthful energy, strength, and stamina. Find out more at heartandbodyextract.com. Heart and Body Extract paired with healthy heart choices is a winning combination. Call toll-free to order or for free information. 1-866-295-5305. 1-866-295-5305. You are an individual with your
17: own thoughts, decisions, and actions. So why should you be penalized for not enrolling in the subpar health insurance mandated by the government when you can be truly independent with Liberty HealthShare, a bold, innovative alternative, allowing you to take back control and make your own decisions about your health care? Mention this ad when you call to learn more. 800-714-6993. That's 800-714-6993.
0: Liberty HealthShare. Together, we are one.
2: And before we get back to Kirk McElhern and we're going over For You, which is a feature of Apple Music where it supposedly gives you a list of albums that cater to your tastes. That's adaptive based on the music you listen to, the music in your playlists, and also what you say you don't want and therefore hopefully removes them. So let me first tell you about Tech Night Out Plus. Tech Night Out Plus is a way to hear the show without the network ads. And to find out more, you go to plus.technightowl.com, plu for a modest monthly annual or five-year subscription rate. We give you a special version of the show with higher resolution audio, 41 minutes of network ads removed from modest subscription fee. Plus.technightowl.com. Also, we're working on another segment called Tech Night Owl Minute that will debut probably in the next few weeks. And it will be available exclusively to Tech Night Owl Plus members. Kirk McElhern, let's continue about For You. This is supposed to be adaptive, and it's supposed to be training itself based on your music. Now, I'm looking at some of the 60s rock. It includes the best of the Trogs, 20 of their best hits. Now, I have a problem here, which is there are, I think, two or three songs that the Trogs did. Wild Thing, of course. Which is written by John Voight's brother. You know that?
22: No. And and who voiced the car and my mother the car, of course.
2: All right. Also, they had (laughs) With a Girl Like You. Also, Love Is All Around, which I kind of liked. And just a little bit of a trivia note about the Trogs, by the way. The late Reg Presley, the lead singer of the Trogs, he was into the paranormal. He wrote a book about crop circles. (laughs) I wish we got in touch with him before he died.
22: Okay, you have all these connections with things here. Um, yeah, so why is it recommending, you know, the Trogs? Because you listen to something related. Um, again, if it's, if it's one one step away, it makes sense. So I don't know, you know, I'm a big fan of the Grateful Dead. If it recommends an album, a solo album by Jerry Garcia, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if it recommends, you know, the, the um, New Riders of the Purple Sage, a band that, um, Jerry Garcia was in. That makes sense. But if it recommends, if it connects the Grateful Dead to, I don't know, Beatles, well, that doesn't make sense. And you know, again, some of the recommendations I'm seeing are a bit outlandish.
2: Well, you know, again, when you look at it, Grateful Dead I never listened to. No offense.
22: It's Not fine, I understand.
2: I listen to the Beatles, obviously. I listen I to the Stones less so. The Beatles, I could listen to their albums beginning to end. The Stones, it's hit or miss.
22: The Stones have three great albums. And, you know, yes. the rest you pick and choose. But, you know, Exile on Main Street, Beggar's Banquet, and, 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 come on, Let It Bleed.
2: Let It Bleed, right.
22: Those also, are the there was the Stones other
2: one where they did She's a Rainbow. And I think they were trying to imitate Sgt. Pepper with the Rolling Stones version.
22: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there, there are some good songs on their early albums, but those three albums are the ones you can listen to as albums,
2: in my opinion. Well, that's always so unfortunate about a lot of these rock artists or any musical artists. They have this peak where just everything they do turns to gold. Beautiful songs. And then after that, it's hit or miss. It's like you catch a buzz. Now, obviously, the Beatles caught a buzz collectively. And they didn't stay around long enough to let things fade, which maybe was a good thing. You go out on the top. Yeah. Now they all came out with hit recordings separately, even Ringo Starr. And they all came out with some pretty good stuff, but it was never as consistent as what they did with the Beatles. I think you agree with me, right? I think for most
22: artists, there is most artists who make it. There's, there's a a sort of magical period and, and, Some artists actually have a a second magical period. One of the the most interesting, one of my favorite artists is Bob Dylan, and he's actually had three. His first, so when he got to like his third and fourth album, the things like um, Highway 61 Revisited and Blonde on Blonde, they were amazing. Then he had a couple of, you know, not so great albums, um, John Wesley Harding, Self Portrait and all. And then he came back with Blood on the Tracks and Desire, which are two of his best albums. Then he had pretty much 20 years of fallow periods and then he came back in the late 90s early 2000s and he's been putting out a string of really excellent albums since then but it's only an artist who's had a career of you know more than 50 years that can have more than one of these magical periods i think
2: now the one thing about bob dylan i listened to a few of his later things his voice is really shot isn't it it is but very raspy it it is but in, in his recent albums he kind of
22: writes around that in the sense that the songs he's writing actually work i don't know if you've heard his recent album of frank sinatra covers it sounds like on paper the last thing you want to listen to but i'm telling you it's one of the best albums he's recorded
2: now i did listen to a couple of paul mccartney live concerts a few selections and his voice is really suffering a lot he really stretches his vocal cords so we're talking about a guy here 73 years old And that he can even do 75% or 70% of what he could do when he was 35. That's pretty good.
22: Well, Dylan's about the same age. I'm not sure exactly. But he does at least 100 concerts a year and has been doing so for quite a long time. So he certainly strains himself a lot more. You accept it because his music's so good. You either like Dylan or you don't. It's one of those things that it's a voice, even when it was in its prime, was certainly... One could argue that it's not one of the great Rock voices, but I mean, his music's so great, it fits with his voice for me.
2: You know, whose voice has really held up over these years? John Fogarty. I mean, you listen to some of the stuff he's doing, listen to some of the recordings of live concerts, or when he makes an appearance on a TV show and he sings Proud Mary or something a lot more recent, and there he is, John Fogarty. I don't know how he does it because that voice he acquired when he was 17 years old. I mean, yeah. 17 or 18, he's singing like that.
22: Yeah. And, and he could know, still do it. Another one, if you want to talk about an oldie, is James Taylor. He had an album a few months ago that actually hit number one on the billboard charts briefly. And his voice is still, it's veiled, but it's still the same sort of pure voice that he had when he was a lot younger.
2: Well, that's it right there. I know Frank Sinatra, believe it or not, as he got older and his voice deepened, he couldn't hit the notes like he could when he was a kid. He kind of worked around it. He didn't hold a note like he could when he was, you know, 45, when he was 75, but he could still do it.
22: Yeah, Sinatra's music was actually, the the songs he sang were actually quite demanding. Um, a, A lot of them required an awful lot of energy. And yeah, it's understandable that as time went by, he wasn't able to do it anymore.
2: Tony Bennett is still doing it in his 80s. And again the yeah. voice isn't what it was when he was doing I left my heart in San Francisco and he was much much younger but he's still hanging in there. Yep. And yeah, I think that does that's put- one one way to keep your voice from sounding really old is to keep using it, keep exercising it, keep the muscles flowing.
22: Yeah, well, it, it's so that's the question. Is it someone who sings a lot and tours a lot whose voice is going to stay flexible or is it not singing and touring a lot?
2: Good question. This question is, who are we talking to? Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN.
17: You are an individual with your own thoughts, decisions, and actions. So why should you be penalized for not enrolling in the subpar health insurance mandated by the government when you can be truly independent with Liberty HealthShare, a bold, innovative alternative, allowing you to take back control and make your own decisions about your health care. Mention this ad when you call to learn more. 800-714-6993. That's 800-714-6993. Liberty HealthShare. Together, we are one.
23: You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to Freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's Freedom, the number 106.com. Go to Freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to Freedom106.com.
25: The human body is more than 60% water. Your brain and muscles are 75% water and your blood is 92% water. Water Water's vital to your body, and alkalizing your water is the key to keep it running at its best. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops keep your entire body healthy, boosts energy, promotes weight loss, and even fights cancer. Call 800-518-7615 or go to alkaVision.com to find out more. That's alkavision.com.
11: Hi, this is Walt Augustinowitz. I'm the founder and CEO of ID Stronghold, By now you've heard our commercials about wallets that protect you from electronic pickpocketing. Ten years ago, I created a way to protect my own cards from prying eyes after government officials started talking about issuing a national ID card with a built-in radio chip called RFID. I felt having to broadcast my personal information was an invasion of privacy. Soon after, it was also announced that credit cards, debit cards, U.S. passports, hotel room keys, and even transit passes would all soon incorporate RFID. It was then I formed ID Stronghold to share my inventions in blocking RFID signals with the world. There are a lot of misconceptions out there today about RFID. I encourage everyone to get informed and get protected. Please go to IDStronghold.com and get the facts and the wallet sleeves, or badge holders you need to protect your personal financial data. You'll be pleasantly surprised that through our direct sales model, you won't pay more than other comparable unprotected wallets. It is as though the protection is free. Visit IDStronghold.com today.
15: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
2: From Apple Music, we're segueing to a discussion about artists here, and I think it's really appropriate because, after all, Apple Music is just the delivery mechanism, and it's got its problems. But at the end of the day, it's still the music, and it's fun to talk about the artists and how they sustain themselves. You know who really surprised me in terms of singing is Lady Gaga.
22: Yeah, I don't know her music.
2: All right, Lady Gaga is this wacky girl from New Jersey who you think of as a young Madonna but Madonna doesn't have a spectacular voice. She has an adequate voice. Lady Gaga can sing fairly traditional show tunes and stuff. With the best of them, she's really good.
22: There there are a number of these young singers who are pop singers who really sing well. Who, who's the British one who sang the James Bond song?
2: Adele. She, she co-wrote that song, too, by the way.
22: Um, yeah, which is more and more rare these days. And I, and I read something recently about... Um, Taylor Swift, all of her songs are written by some guy named Max Martin, who's a Swedish songwriter, who writes songs for all the pop people. So, um, But some, some of these young singers actually are good singers, technically. They have good voices. They have powerful voices. Unfortunately, it's the way the music is produced that totally destroys a lot
2: of them. Because they all sound the same. I listened to this first sampling, the 30-second samples from Taylor Swift's 1989 album. And every single oh, man, song that- sounded the same. She has her voice processed with a specific amount of echo around it. Now, I don't know how good her voice is because it's very highly stylized, very distinctive, but it's not real. And I don't know what she does when she appears in concert. I assume they've got a lot of electronics going on there. And again, I'm not attacking her for being untalented because obviously she's a smart woman. She's achieved great success. She's won Grammy. So obviously there's some artistry involved there. But I think what she can really do is not apparent because of so much of production. But, you know, it's funny here, since we talk about trivia, you listen to a lot of these people you think of in movies and TV, and some of them, by the way, started out as singers or do sing on the side.
22: You you mean actors, yeah.
2: Right, Um, or they might have started out as singers. Like, for example, two of the superhero stars... Are from the TV show Glee. Grant Gustin plays The Flash. We all know who The Flash is. He sang in one episode. He's got a decent voice. The girl who's going to play Supergirl, Melissa Benoist, has appeared in shows and stuff, not on Broadway, but she sings that kind of music and she's got a great voice. I heard her. You know, so you'll have one episode where you'll have The Flash and Supergirl, you know, do a concert.
22: Okay. And release an album and go on tour. That would be an interesting tour. The Flash and Supergirl.
2: And they wear their costumes.
22: Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. And they have some special effects and things, and they fly in from over the stage, and wow, that's just not a good idea.
2: I don't think I really want to wait for that, though. No, no. But that would be pretty wacky, wasn't it? wouldn't it be? But there you go. But it's there true. You so, you know, some of these performers you know, have the musical talent, and sometimes, especially on a TV series where the show is more authentic if you show the real talents of the stars. So, for example, House. Remember House with Hugh Laurie?
22: Yeah, I watched one episode. Okay.
2: Hugh Laurie, in addition to being, you know, basically a very funny actor, he also plays a mean electric guitar and a piano.
22: He was a comic actor before House, and he was notably on a show with Stephen Fry for many years.
2: Another actor, is a singer now, Robert Davi. Remember don't him? He mostly plays police officers and villains.
22: Don't know that name.
2: Okay. Now, probably his most famous role goes back to a James Bond movie. Okay? He appeared as the villain in a James Bond movie back in the early 1990s when Timothy Dalton was James Bond. But he sings in the Frank Sinatra vein. He's not Frank Sinatra, but he's pretty good. He's got an album out. So there you go. Let's get back here, though, to Apple Music. We have strayed. We strayed, but I thought it was good because we're looking at the product Apple is delivering, not just all this technology that obviously is somewhat broken. So what does Apple need to do to make Apple Music work and to convince most people on September 30th to say, I'll accept the $9.99 a month charge? Mm -hmm.
22: Yeah, that, that's the big unknown, isn't it? App, Apple has said that they have 11 million users. Um, they, no, they haven't really broken this down because they also said that they have, I think they said they have 2 million people using family accounts. Now, it's not clear whether the 11 million counts 2 million. 2 million it's not clear whether 2 million of the 11 music are family account users Or if each of the 2 million family accounts has an average of 3 people, if that's 6 million of the 11 million people.
2: That would be cheating. I assume he's talking about accounts, not the number of people. Because, frankly speaking, they would know how many people are using it, but I'm assuming they're saying this is how many people signed up.
22: Well, users are people who are accessing it. And with a family account, you use family sharing, and each user has their own Apple ID. Um, you know, Spotify gives numbers like that when they talk about paying users. They include people who are on a special ninety-nine cent three-month trial. Um, it, it's a free trial that costs a buck, so they count them as paying users. So I wouldn't put it past Apple to sort of fudge those numbers a bit. But so there, are, there are a number of questions here. First of all, eleven million isn't that much when Apple has roughly five hundred million iOS devices. Uh, and all the computers where people can use iTunes. Um, This was after one month. Now, we don't know where it is now. You'd expect that a lot of the people signing up for Apple Music would have done so in the first month. You know, existing users. You're going to get more as time goes by, um, as people buy new devices, if they switch to Apple or whatever. Now, what percentage can we expect to convert to paying users on september 30th or october 1st or you know a week later if they started their trial a week after it it, it was released if you expect 25 which is which would be a pretty high conversion rate that gives them less than three million which isn't a lot you know i don't i don't know if apple's officially stated this but uh it's been said that their goal is roughly to get 100 million paying users now they're not going to get 100 million overnight it's going to take years but can they ever achieve that goal? That's an awful lot. Um, you know, $10 bucks is not a lot per month, but for a lot of people who are used to getting music for free, uh, it's $120 a year, and it's money that they're not going to spend.
2: That's a good question. Also, there hasn't been major promotion of Apple Music. I think they've got some billboards in some places.
22: They started that a week or so ago. I, I think... And Apple's doing this the right way. I think that what they needed to do was first get all the early adopters in in the first month, and that's smart, and you know, deal with all the kinks because they knew there were going to be problems. Then start slowly promoting it. Then I think when the fall comes around, they're going to make a bigger push. You're probably going to see some TV ads. You're probably going to see some exclusives um, to Apple Music and the iTunes Store, which are going to try and – prod people into subscribing. But I don't think any exclusive is ever going to get a paid user to switch from one streaming service to another, or is going to tip the balance for a specific streaming service if someone isn't paying. I, I'm just not sure that that's how it's going to work. I think, I think ease of use, uh, I think um, flexibility. So if you're in the Apple ecosystem, obviously Apple Music is much better, much easier to use than Spotify. Um, But I think they're fighting a tough battle. I think it's going to take a long time for Apple Music to really get to a point where enough people are paying to make it worth running Apple Music. Because remember, one of the reasons for Apple Music is to drive people to iOS devices. The, The same reason the iTunes Store exists is partly to sell music, but it's more to get people to buy Apple Hardware.
2: Let's do more of this in our final segment with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are
2: GCN. The human body is more than 60% water.
25: Your brain and muscles are 75% water. And your blood is 92% water. Water is vital to your body. And alkalizing your water is the key to keep it running at its best. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops keep your entire body healthy, boosts energy, promotes weight loss, and even fights cancer. Call 800-518-7615 or go to AlkaVision.com to find out more. That's
14: AlkaVision.com.
8: Virtually anyone can hack your cell phone and track your calls, your texts, your emails, your every movement, but only if they can detect a signal. Stay one step ahead of hackers and Big Brother with a Blockit Pocket. A custom made pocket infused with pure silver that creates a complete Faraday enclosure for your cell phone. For free shipping to the Lore 48, visit BlockitPocket.com or call 888 315 9618. BlockitPocket.com. Enhancing health and privacy.
19: As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia?
8: It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water get your big berkey today call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click bigberkeywaterfilters.com that's 1-877-99-BERKEY big berkey water filters for the love of clean water
15: You're listening to The Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
2: This is very early in the morning for me, and I'm wondering how I'm so awake. So we're not going to figure that out. I just had one cup of coffee. One 16-ounce cup of coffee from the local Circle K down the street here in Arizona. That's a big cup. 16-ounce? No. That's the smallest cup they make. They call it medium. There's nothing small. Small would be 12 ounces.
22: America, right?
2: Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, is a Brit now.
22: No, 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 no. But I haven't lived in the States for more than 30 years. So, you know, I see all this from afar with... A bit of well, think of it this way. Inside.
2: We have Henry Cavill, British actor, playing people with American accents like Napoleon Solo in The Man from U.N.C.L.E., and also Superman, Adam Steele, okay? So we think you're from New York. Put on some kind of accent other than a New York accent.
22: Oh, But then it would just sound, you know, wrong. I mean, actors can do it because they're professional. I saw a production here of Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman by a well-known South African actor. While his Brooklyn accent wasn't perfect, it was pretty close. You know, professional actors can do that. People like you and me would just sound like posers if we do that.
2: Well, you look at that, you think of how many actors you see on TV are British, Australian, like the mentalist, okay? We have, of course, Simon Baker, Australian. And when you hear him talking outside that series, it's clear where he's from. You have one of the actors who played a police officer in that series, O. Wayne Yeoman, okay? And he plays a villain, by the way, in the Supergirl pilot. And this guy is a Welshman. And you hear the accents very strong, except when he becomes an American. And I think British actors, Australian actors, can do American accents far better than Americans do British accents, although we do it well sometimes.
22: Julian um, Anderson lives over here and she's been in a number of TV series, and her British accent is pretty good. Kevin Spacey was running a theater in London for 10 years. Old Vic. Uh, Yeah, and I assume... See, I know these things. When he did Richard III, I saw some clips in a documentary, and it sounded like he was adopting somewhat of an English accent. Um, Well, I'll give you a
2: really strange one here. We have a TV series called Strike Back on Cinemax, kind of a spy show. So we have an Australian playing the American with a southern accent. And we have an American playing the British agent.
22: Yeah, that's a little bit weird. I wonder how they choose. Is it that they really want this particular face physique and all that? You know, you look at Game of Thrones, there are an awful lot of actors from different countries. And for the majority, they seem to be adopting somewhat British accents, not all of them. But it's hard to tell when when they're... So when it's someone like Nicole Kidman, you, you cast her because she's a very good actress... She can do Australian because she's Australian. She can do American accent. She can do British. She does them really well. But for the smaller parts, the TV things, I'm always surprised when they've cast someone who's just, you know, why would they cast someone? Why can't they get someone whose accent is native? Sometimes it's surprising.
2: Well, yeah, I'll give you an example here. The guy who's playing Chekhov in the new Star Trek series, Anton Yelchin, I think his name is. He is actually Russian. Well, okay. So, of course, you know, he does it fairly well because of he's doing something that is part of his actually, yeah. heritage. All but, right. So, so you, if you of think understand. of a
22: series like The Wire, Idris Elba was not well-known before The Wire. You know, how did he get cast into that role, in which he was brilliant, by the way? Um, I, I can't remember the name of the guy, the short guy who was the mayor in the last couple of seasons who won the mayoral election and who's now in Game of Thrones, he's Irish. Um, And, of course, the guy playing Jimmy McNulty, what's his name, Dominic West, he's Irish as well. So why did um, David Simon, who made The Wire, why did he cast Irish and British people so much?
2: I heard here when Brian Singer, who was one of the producers of House, was casting Gregory House. and He saw this recording of Hugh Laurie, he wasn't aware he was British when he saw that, supposedly, until he heard him speak natively. But the key is here is when a casting director or a producer or director is casting a film or a TV show, they're not looking at where the actor is from. They're looking at the look, yeah. the voice, the movements. And a lot of times, it's the way they work with other performers. Do they have that chemistry? Do they work yeah. well together? If they're family members, if they are, for example lovers, if they have romantic involvements or just they suggest it, you have to think, you know what, I can see that. Now, sometimes it gets pretty wacky. Like we have this procedural series, a Tom Selleck vehicle called Blue Bloods in America. And it's about a family of people who are involved in law enforcement, police officers, police commissioner,
22: right, one I've is seen a assistant on district Amazon, attorney. Kidding, You've heard of yeah. it? I haven't seen the series. I've seen it on Amazon Prime Video or Netflix or one of those. Um, if you
2: look and- at the actors, though, they're all supposed to be what? Brothers, sisters, yeah, fathers, grandfathers. There is no family resemblance, whatever, yeah. not yeah. even the vaguest family resemblance between any of these cast members. You cannot imagine them f- separated from the show as being related. I would I've think just- a casting director, you're going to... Pick somebody, be their brother. Well, maybe they have a same basic look or height or something like that. No. I
22: I just watched True Detective the second season recently. Um, I waited until after it was over to binge watch it. And there's actually a plot point related to the fact that Colin Farrell's character's son doesn't look like him. Um, But it's weird until you get to the plot point.
2: And I mean, the thing is here, he thinks father. he thinks the reason part of the problem he's having with his son is not just that he doesn't look like him.
22: You want to watch the series and you have it cover your ears for about 15 seconds. The plot point is that his wife was raped and he thought that the child was the rapists and not his.
2: OK, let's put a few things together here. This is going to be a massive, massive spoiler. True Detective finished its American run the previous week as we're doing this show. So we're going to say a few things here that are not going to be known until the final episode of the show. So I don't like to say this. Once again, if you want to see the rest of True Detective Season 2, don't pay attention to what you're going to hear for the next few seconds.
22: She just got it done because there was all these scenes with the lawyers and she was going to get the DNA test because she wanted custody. Um, And she only got the DNA test after he was killed in a shootout. And she opens the letter, you could tell that she already knows he's dead, and she opens the letter, and sees, uh, I guess they can't say 100%, because it says 99.99% certain.
2: And you know what's interesting about this, and I'll just close it because we have to go. In True Detective, all the male leads are killed off yep. in the final episode, yep. and only two female leads are left alive. Just leave it there.
22: And technically, one of them isn't a the lead, the wife. Did, did you like True Detective season two?
2: I thought it was confusing. I thought Vince Vaughn was really bad. I think the other performers were great. And I hope there's a season three where they can try to reclaim the glory of season one True detective. Kirk McElhern, I don't know what we were talking about today, but tell our listeners where they can find more of whatever you do.
22: Well, as you mentioned earlier, my website, Kirkville, it's www.mckelhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find me over at Macworld, where I am, among other things, as Gene constantly reminds, the iTunes guy.
2: Until he's not, but he'll be that way till I'm 117 years old. You can find us on Twitter. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook if he's wearing a plaid shirt. And I still have that plaid shirt, by the way, more than likely. He's me. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we're going to talk on the Paracast about conspiracy theories, something called The Montauk Project, supposedly involving mind control and maybe interaction with E.T. with a movie producer named Christopher Garitano, who has a film out called Montauk Chronicles on the Paracast at paracast.com. And I know that Kirk McElhern is wondering what the heck that is, and maybe he doesn't care. Check out... Tech plus.TechNightOwl.com, Owl Plus, dot com P L U S. to sign up for Tech Night Owl Plus and get the ad free version of the show. And we have a Tech Night Owl Minute coming in the near future. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live.
22: Thanks for having me once again, Jim.